The band is officially getting back together on the Seahawks defensive line. Frank Clark reuniting with Jaron Reed. We're going to be breaking down today's signing on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on Matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Hillsborough, Oregon, or across the country in Rochester, New York. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As we do each and every Wednesday, we will be diving into key positional battles to watch when the Seahawks face the Browns on Sunday at Lumen Field. We'll be looking at the Seahawks on offense first and then flipping the script, Seahawks on defense against the Browns offense. It'll be a jam-packed episode coming your way courtesy of the Game Time app. Create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. Only 48 hours ago, Pete Carroll told reporters after the Monday walkthrough that the Seahawks were not going to be bringing in anybody from the outside to help replace Uchenna Nuosu. As it turns out, the word yet was pretty important in that statement because two days later, Frank Clark is returning to the Seattle Seahawks at the time of this show it is not officially happened yet they have not had him sign the dotted line just yet but based on the discussions coming from pete carroll today jaron reed other players in the locker room the expectation is frank clark is going to be joining this football team for a second stint and the seahawks rob are going to be looking at this hoping we can get a similar rejuvenation to a career like jaron reed has had with frank clark coming back to the pacific northwest yeah, I think that's that's the hope. I mean, obviously, Jaron Reed has been unbelievable so far this season. I think that it's uh, it kind of harkens back to, to some of the other moves that the Seahawks have have done in the past couple of years. Corbin with like a, a player like a, say Adrian Peterson, um, you know, who of course was such a such a spark uh, to the Seahawks and what he helped Rashad Penny do. Um, and then there's been a lot of different other a- examples here. If you bring in a veteran player that is able to um, just kind of take some of the younger players under their wings, so to speak, while also contributing meaningful snaps um, to the Seahawks immediately. Um, you know, Frank Clark is a good football player. I mean, he's 30 years old. Um, and he is a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, you know, frankly, we should have mentioned him a couple of days ago. I think that you did. Um, but I, I was kind of skeptical of the idea, mostly because I thought that he was going to be re-signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Um, you know, if Andy Reid and, uh, you know, the general manager, Brett Veach, maybe if they weren't singing Taylor Swift songs in their free time, uh, maybe they would have brought him back. I, I think that the Chiefs have so many good young defensive linemen. I, I say that in jest, of course, but, but still. I don't know, I, Rob. I don't know. It just doesn't look like this was a real love story. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I, I don't know that many Taylor Swift songs to uh, to try and throw out a reference there. But uh, I, I, I will say this, that I think, that, again, that, that Frank Clark, 
I think uh, it has a lot left in the tank. Uh, you know, a Andy Reid said it himself a couple of days ago. He was asked about the possibility of bringing back Frank Clark. And he said that, you know, we love Frank because his actual quote there, which is really similar to what Pete Carroll and John Schneider said when they traded Frank Clark to the Kansas City Chiefs and that mega deal that, uh, you know, ultimately landed the Seahawks to the selections that included uh, the, the pick that they used for DK Metcalf. So, you know, it's just kind of fun. The, the reunion tour, as you said, the band's getting back together again. I think that Frank Clark is going to be able to provide some pass rush. He is definitely going to be able to provide some toughness in the running game. I actually saw Frank Clark during the training camp. He was with the Denver Broncos uh, during training camp this year. And I was kind of commenting to myself that he looked like he was in terrific shape. Um, and, and so I, I am very in, encouraged by this sign for the Seahawks because, you know, all of the different candidates that we talked about in yesterday's show, Corbin, the Seahawks are going to have to to trade draft picks. They were going to have to dedicate millions and millions of dollars to these kind of rental players. Now you're getting a player who knows the area, knows the coaching staff, knows the scheme. Uh, I think that this is a, is a big time signing for the Seahawks in a time, obviously, when they needed to address the lack of Eugene Nuosu on the outside. This time of year, it's really hard to find players off the free agent scrap heap that are going to be able to come in and make a big difference. And the Seahawks, Pete Carroll made it clear today, they are not looking for Frank Clark to come in and just instantly replace all of Achena Nuosu's production. And it wouldn't be fair to expect that of him anyway at this stage of his career. But he also, we know what's going on in Denver. And they've let go of some players. They traded Randy Gregory to the 49ers. They released Clark a few weeks ago. He's just going to be looking for that fresh start because things just didn't work in his brief time in Denver. But he had a very successful run in Kansas City. And from a scheme standpoint, yes, Seattle is not running the same defense they did when Frank Clark was here the first time around. But some positions are impacted more by that than others. And his position happens to be a spot where I don't think there's going to be much of a difference. And Pete Carroll echoed that today. That it's a very similar position. They're going to be asking him to play. He played a ton of stand-up outside linebacker in his first time with the Seahawks. And most of the time he was pinning his ears back, getting after the quarterback. That's what they're going to be asking him to do. But the other thing that I think needs to be pointed out here, I'm not going to sit here and say Frank Clark has been a stud run defender during his career. Cause I don't think that's ever been his greatest strength, but at the same time, Unlike Daryl Taylor, where we haven't seen that big jump as a run defender, Frank Clark progressed throughout his career in Seattle and Kansas City and became a respectable run defender. He became a guy that you could play every down. And so I think he's going to be able to come in, and I don't know that he starts. Certainly this week, if he's going to be playing against the Browns, I don't think they're going to be starting him five days after they signed him. But this is a guy that could potentially start across from Boye Mafe if he plays well in a reserve role. They're looking for him, though, to be able to come in and fill some of that gap that's left behind by Uchenna Nuosu not being in the lineup. And then everybody else, Derek Call, the rookie, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, all of them need to step up to help pick up some of the slack as well. And maybe somebody like a Tyreek Smith or a Levi Bell coming up off the practice squad as an elevation for more depth. Everybody is going to have to have their hands on deck to help pick up the slack. They are not going to be counting on Frank Clark to do all that. But you've seen what Jaron Reed has done. And I'm not saying Frank Clark is going to have that type of a resurgence. But at the same time, how many times have we seen players come back to Seattle for a second stint with Pete Carroll? And it almost seems like they find the fountain of youth a little bit. And Frank Clark's not an old guy by any means. He's 30. He's still got plenty of tread left on his tires. So 
They know how to use him. Clint Hurt knows how to use him. I'm fascinated to see how this works out. And getting a player like this at this time of year, and he just happened to be available when this big injury happens, the Seahawks should be thanking their lucky stars. And John Schneider with a hell of a job getting in there and getting this deal done so they can bring him back to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I really think that it's kind of fortuitous how, how this all kind of, you know, came together uh, for the Seahawks to be able to an- land Frank Clark. Um, you know, again, obviously, you'd rather have a, a healthy Uchenna Nuosu out there, especially considering the fact that that Seattle, uh, you know, gave rewarded him with a big deal um, after his breakout performance a year ago. But to get a player with Frank Clark's production, um, his leadership that he has demonstrated, uh, not only in Seattle, but in Kansas City as well. Um, you know, some of his Kansas City teammates are already, or former Kansas City teammates, I guess I should say, are already kind of getting on social media and just kind of bemoaning the loss of a player that they thought might be rejoining them. Um, yeah. So again, I think that that speaks an awful lot about Frank Clark, especially because if you go in the way back machine, there were a lot of people who questioned the Seahawks when they selected him in the first place, but he has stayed on the on the straight and narrow ever since, and he has become a very durable, very reliable player. And as you mentioned, I mean, he was known more as a pass rusher early in his career. Um, his ability to kind of time the snap and um, you know use his explosiveness to be able to kind of get past the the uh, across the face of the uh, of the offensive tackle that was his game but he has become more physical he has become more instinctive so that could be exactly the type of tutor on field tutor that a player like a daryl taylor certainly the younger players like a boy Mafe and a Derek hall could absolutely learn a lot from so to kind of echo your point here it's not that i think that frank clark's gonna come in and start against the cleveland browns but i think that he can contribute perhaps um early whether or not be cleveland maybe the game after that but also just be able to be that kind of coach on the field for those young players. Cause I think you're going to see an awful lot of uh, Boye Mafe and, and Daryl Taylor, but especially Derek Hall. I think you're going to see his numbers uh, get a significant uptick in this weekend's game against Cleveland. It's a lot like Bruce Irvin who came back last yes. year. You're talking about two guys that came into the NFL for different reasons that were scrutinized draft picks by the Seahawks. And yet, as Pete Carroll said today, Frank Clark grew up here in the Pacific Northwest. And he became a respectable leader and on-field contributor. And then he had a lot of success in Kansas City too. So he's no longer that young guy that's learning from Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. It's his turn now to pass on what he has learned. And so it's a great opportunity for him. It's a great opportunity for the Seahawks. And I'm excited to see how this plays out, especially him and Jared Reed playing together again, because we saw what they did in 2018 when they both had double-digit sacks. These two guys tend to play really well off each other. It's all about culture and scheme fit, and that gives you the hope that Frank Clark can turn things back around and be productive for the Seahawks, at least in a rotational role. Up next, we're going to get to the matchups. We've got the Browns. We've got the Seahawks coming up on Sunday at Lumen Field. We're going to start with Seattle on offense against Cleveland's vicious defense. That'll be coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets at the last minute, the process can be anxiety-provoking, and buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets 
and get hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you want to see the Seahawks and the Browns battle at Lumen Field on Sunday, using GameTime's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find excellent seats for under 80 bucks right now. And it's super easy. Forget about planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked in NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked in NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you so much for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget, with football season officially underway, coming up on Friday, Locked on NFL kickoff live will be on every NFL YouTube channel, including Locked on Seahawks. Host Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked on NFL kickoff live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked on NFL YouTube channel. The Seahawks will be looking to get their second straight win at home and they've got a difficult task ahead of them with the Cleveland Browns coming to town, riding a wave of momentum, even with a number of injuries, including at the quarterback position. The Browns have won their last two games, including upsetting the San Francisco 49ers and removing them from the ranks of the undefeated. This is a really good Browns defense. Now, they've been kind of up and down if you look from a points given up perspective, but when they've been good, they have been dominant, and they have put some points on the scoreboard as well to help offset all the injuries that the Browns offense has. And obviously, Rob, when we're looking at this matchup, it's a lot like when we look at the Rams with Aaron Donald. This is one of those opponents where immediately your eyes are going to gravitate. This is one of those players that, you know, the saying when they get off the bus that you're intimidated. Miles Garrett is one of those players who isn't just a guy that intimidates you coming off the bus. He intimidates you on the field. One of the best players in the NFL and the Seahawks have to find a way to try to limit how much he gets to Geno Smith, which is easier said than done. It really is. And the first part of this is the fact that the Seahawks, of course, have Charles Cross is going to be lined up against Miles Garrett the majority of the time because he typically plays at that right defensive end, going to be going up against the, the left tackle. And, and, you know, that that to me is one of the, the most encouraging things here is that the Seahawks do have Charles Cross now a couple of games removed from the injury. So he's been able to kind of knock that rust off. That's going to help. Now, the, the Brown, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, is no dummy. He is going to move Miles Garrett around everywhere um, and perhaps going to line him up against Stone Forsyth or if the Seahawks uh, use uh, Jason Peters at the right tackle position. It remains to be seen what the Seahawks are going to plan to do at that spot. But again, there's no doubt about it. The number 95 is going to be somebody the Seahawks have to locate. As you said, very similar to Aaron Donald, except 
I mean, these are two of the most you know, the best players, regardless of position, in all of the NFL. Miles Garrett was drafted number one overall because he is the physical prototype. I mean, this is a guy who is who is six foot five. He's two hundred and seventy pounds. He is, you know, running in the four fives. I mean, he is just as cut as it gets. Whereas Aaron Donald doesn't exactly look the part of a traditional defensive tackle. Everybody in the NFC West knows what a dominant player my or uh, the Aaron Donald is. Miles Garrett is the same type of a, just an absolute one man wrecking crew. He's got seven and a half sacks so far Corbin nobody else in the Cleveland Browns has more than two and a half he's got 16 quarterback hits nobody else on the Browns has more than five I mean he truly is a one-man wrecking crew for the Cleveland Browns but they also have a pretty solid uh, other edge rusher and Zadarius Smith uh, yep uh, Ogbenaya, the other edge rusher, actually, I think is one of those guys that has two and a half sacks as well. The, the Browns have some guys along the defensive line, but you are right. The, the, the game plan, at least from the offensive side of the ball for the Seahawks, is number one, you got to slow down, number 95. Yeah, Zadarius Smith is still a very solid edge rusher and can do damage. And going up against Stone Forsyth, or if it's Jake Curhan at right tackle, whatever Seattle decides to do this week, maybe it's Jason Peters. Pete Carroll hinted that maybe he might be available this week, but whoever's over there, Zedarius Smith is not a slouch. He's a guy that can get after the QB and they've got a couple other guys off the edge that can do damage. So this is not going to be an easy matchup, but obviously all eyes are going to be on Miles Garrett. Can we try to prevent him from taking over the game? Something that he has done time and time again this year and throughout his career, one of the true superstar defenders in the NFL today. And he looks the part, he plays the part. That is going to be problematic. The Browns, on top of having a lot of talent on their defensive line, the edge rushing group, they've got a very good stable of corners as well. And a little bit different in terms of where they got these guys. They've got two first rounders that are in their secondary at the quarter position. Denzel Ward, former top five pick at Ohio State. Greg Newsom, who was a late first rounder out of Northwestern. So they got some Big Ten guys staying in Big Ten country. And then Martin Emerson, who was a mid-round pick out of Mississippi State, another guy with great length. So all three of these corners have different skill sets. They're different sizes. But together as a trio, they are a big reason why the Cleveland Browns are the only team in the NFL that have given up less than 1,000 passing yards this year. It certainly helps having Miles Garrett up front to put pressure on quarterbacks. But this secondary is really good. So this is one of those get-your-popcorn-ready matchups with DK Metcalf back practicing Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Jake Bobo going up against this really good group of corners for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it's similar to the conversation we had a week ago in that uh, I, I was arguing that the Arizona Cardinals kind of have a pick your poison kind of a wide receiver collection. You know, they got the small, quick guy. They got the guy who can absolutely fly. Um, and then they have the, the bigger receiver. Same thing here with the Cleveland Browns, except at the cornerback position. As you just explained, you know, you had the two Big Ten corners um, that were first round picks and Martin Emerson, um, you know, just that long, lanky kind of a guy you would think ideally from a Cleveland perspective that they would want to have Martin Emerson on uh, on DK Metcalf who of course is coming off of his own injury but even Emerson at his absolute best he is still basically a twig in, in comparison to DK Metcalf Emerson usually checking in around 185 pounds so DK Metcalf to me this is one of those games where you got your week off uh, to hopefully recover from the injury and for those 
of you who are the conspiracy theorists out there to maybe kind of refocus uh, on the on you know helping the Seahawks win football games rather than moving your way up their board here for penalties. This is the kind of a game that you'd like to think that he might be able to take over, and certainly the savviness of the route running um, of a Tyler Lockett should be able to get him free. I'm curious to see who at the slot receiver is able to kind of you know get some big plays here. Is it going to be JSN? Is it going to be Jake Bobo who might be able to tr- perhaps get some some big plays against this Cleveland Brown secondary? That I agree with you. I think that a big part of this is the Miles Garrett factor. I think this is a good Cleveland secondary. I think again it's one that's been bolstered by the pass rush in Cleveland. I also think that if you look at the teams that they have played so far, there's not a lot of dynamic passing. Certainly yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, weren't very good in that opener and. The Seahawks, unfortunately, even though they lost that game, they still were able to keep that Cincinnati offense down pretty well also. So to me, this is one I think that if Geno Smith is clicking, if the Seahawks are able to slow down Miles Garrett, I do think that they might be able to get some passing yards, perhaps some passing touchdowns on this Cleveland secondary. Running the football would certainly be a big help to that. And normally when we're talking running the football, we're looking at the guys that have the ball in their hands. We're looking at Ken Walker third going up against Cleveland, Cleveland's linebackers in this case. Cleveland's got some talented linebackers. They've got some really athletic guys back there at minimum. But to me, this is a matchup that is all about the trenches, particularly because Cleveland's got a guy that when we were talking free agents, Dalvin Tomlinson was somebody that I thought Seattle might take a look at because They list him at 325. If you've seen him on a TV, though, or in person as I have, I've been down in the field when Dalvin Tomlinson was with the Minnesota Vikings. That man looks like a mountain of a man compared to other 330-pound defensive tackles. He is huge, but he is not just a run stuffer. He's got some pass rushing ability. He's gotten quite a few sacks for a player that size in his career with the Giants and the Vikings. And the Browns have other really good players in the interior, but he is the one that really concerns me because – He can be that great wall against the run game. And I think getting Evan Brown back this week is critical. He did practice today. That's the good news. They are going to hopefully have him back in the lineup. As you mentioned, Oluwatimi, pass protection was really good this last weekend. But the run game, he was really struggling to get displacement at the line of scrimmage. Evan Brown has consistently been able to do that this year for the Seahawks. They are going to need him to be able to move. And those watching on YouTube, you can see how big number 94 is. Dalvin Tomlinson is a mountain of a man that can single-handedly create a brick wall against a run game. If they want to run the ball in this Browns defense, which they're going to have to, to help take some pressure off the offensive line and maybe take a little bit of the speed out of the sale for Miles Garrett and company, uh, they're going to need their interior line to do better than they did last week in terms of opening up the run game to let Ken Walker the third and Zach Charbonnet get downhill and be able to do some damage. Yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth a little bit with Dalvin Tomlinson, just a, what a force he is in the running game. So I'll, I'll shift back to the uh, the reunion of sorts. That's going to be Shelby Harris coming back to Seattle. Yeah. Um, he is somebody that I think I, that Seahawks fans should absolutely be concerned about as well. Whether he be lining up on the left side or the right side, again, they're going to rotate them a little bit more. But you have Damian Lewis, who is only one week recovered from the injury that kept him out. And then you got a rookie in Anthony Bradford, either 
way, you're going to have a very motivated Shelby Harris. And we remember what a motivated Shelby Harris did to the Denver Broncos a couple of years ago where he was the one that basically made a couple of the big plays uh, that stuffed Russell Wilson and Javante Williams and the rest of the Denver Broncos that were trying to win that that home opener, or excuse me, the Seahawks trying to win that home opener. And, and so to me, that is one of the things you have to be concerned about here because I 100% agree with you. If the Seahawks are able to run the football, then that's going to open up the passing game. But I also have some real concerns about Shelby Harris, not only as a run defender, but as an interior pass rusher as well. So I, I think that, uh, again, we're going to focus, everybody's going to focus in on Miles Garrett, and for good reason. But I think that the interior of the Cleveland Browns defensive line deserves a great deal of the Seahawks focus as well. And they've also got a rejuvenated Maurice Hurst, who's having yes. a pretty good bounce back year after flying all over the place in the NFL. A bit of a journeyman, former top recruit, was viewed as a high draft pick and then had some medical stuff, a disastrous pre-draft process. He's had a really strong season in a reserve role. So this is a D-line that is more than Miles Garrett. There's plenty of talent there that the Seahawks are going to have to worry about, including in the interior. Up next, we're going to be looking at the Seahawks, their surging defense going up against a Browns offense that is a bit old school and non-conventional and it's going to be even more so this week with the quarterback situation. We'll be taking a look at some key matchups to watch heading into this weekend's game. You're listening to the Matchup Wednesday here on Locked On Seahawks. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was running a website at Sports Illustrated, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions to land top candidates, and they made the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post and add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors, and LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This matchup Wednesday is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players. You pick more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Prize Picks, Lamar surpassed 250 passing yards against the Cardinals. Prize Picks is an absolute blast each week. It's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Ray. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joining forces with Locked On Browns, a rare matchup between the Seahawks and Browns. We're going to continue to dive into this upcoming matchup in a special edition crossover 
Thursday episode. Maybe some throwback references coming up as well here with the Seahawks set to wear their silver lids and their royal blue uniforms. Anyway, let's continue our matchup Wednesday here, Rob, diving into the Seahawks defense against the Browns offense. And Cleveland, they've had a lot of injuries so far this year. Deshaun Watson has already been ruled out due to a lingering shoulder injury. So they are going to be rolling out P.J. Walker, former XFL star, formerly played at Temple as well back when Matt Rule was the head coach there. So he's going to get another start. This will be his second start for Cleveland. You could have counted last week in terms of snaps because Deshaun Watson was out pretty early in that game. But he has played a number of games now for Cleveland. But looking big picture, it feels like this game – is going to boil down to, just as we talked about with the Seahawks and offense, what happens in the trenches is going to play a big bearing on how Seattle's defense uh, how Seattle's defense performs in this game. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, I think that if you're going to focus in on a guy like a P.J. Walker, um, you know, he's a, he's a gutty player, but the fact that he doesn't have a single touchdown thrown yet, um, I think that you have to, you know, focus your attention elsewhere. As we talked about over the first couple of days, the Cleveland Browns are not going to try and fool anybody. They're going to run the football, and if you can bottle up the interior of their running game, then it gives you a great opportunity to win. So let's focus in on what the Cleveland Browns do do very, very well because, again, they've had injuries to quarterback. They've obviously had injuries to running back. Their superstar, Nick Chubb, went down a month ago. So look at the interior of their offensive line where they've got some very good players. Joel Petonio is one of the, the great left guards in all of the NFL. Ethan Posick has ascended into being a quality starter um, since he left Seattle. Um, a, a good football player, but one that has struggled at times with leverage. So can a guy like a Jaron Reed, can a guy like a, a Draymond Jones, maybe even a Miles Adams, can they be able to create some pressure and kind of disrupt the timing of Cleveland's interior running game? Wyatt Teller at the right guard position, he's a good player as well, quick and, and ferocious. I mean, he is a tenacious kind of a player. Um, so they all kind of fit the same type of, of style. To them, they're not always the most athletic guys. Uh, but Tony is a pretty good athlete. He played; a, he was a left tackle uh, in his college days back at, at Nevada. So I got to give him some credit there. But still, their game is more just nastiness, just desire, physicality. And so, if the Seahawks can match that, and I think that this that they have the defensive line that can do that, um, then I think that this is a game that the Seahawks potentially could slow down Cleveland's running game, force PJ Walker to throw the football, and that could help the Seahawks. Uh, you know, escape this one um, with the victory. And this is an interior offensive line that has been kind of up and down in pass protection this year. It does seem like the last few games they've started to find their rhythm a little bit, but that's where teams have been able to get consistent pressure this year. So that's another thing to watch here. I'm looking at the run game, but I also think from a pass protection standpoint with the athleticism Seattle has in their interior defensive line, that this could be a game where I'm not going to be saying it's like the last couple of weeks where it was a huge advantage for Seattle, but I feel like there is an opportunity for them to be able to do some damage, getting some pressure on PJ Walker, and maybe force him into some bad throws, which he's been known to make here these last couple of weeks, especially he's uncorked some bad passes that have turned into interceptions. We got to switch the script here because we already looked at receivers versus corners from Seattle's perspective on offense, but I think this is another game. The Cleveland Browns, their passing game has not taken off because the injuries, and Deshaun Watson's not played very well when he's been healthy either. So this passing game's kind of been 
grounded a little bit, but you look at the receiving talent that they have. Amari Cooper is still a top 10 caliber receiver. He's having a really good year, at least in terms of receptions and receiving yards. They brought in more from the Jets who didn't have great numbers in New York, but he's starting to find his groove in Cleveland and he's an incredible athlete, explosive, a guy that can create after the catch, he can win over the top. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's had a quiet year, but he was pretty good last year. So they've got a nice three-headed monster for Devin Witherspoon and Reek Woolen and Trey Brown to deal with in the secondary. And kind of different receivers. All three of those guys, different style receivers. Again, similar to what you saw at Arizona last week. So the Seahawks are going to have to be prepared to deal with a litany of different style weapons on the outside. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a fun chess match in that way. Uh, I mean, as as you said, I mean, the, the the Cleveland Browns have three very different wide receivers, similar to what we saw with Arizona. To me, the one that worries me, I, I recognize that uh, Elijah Moore has slightly more catches. And yeah, I believe he has 25 catches, Amari Cooper, uh, as well as a tight end. David and Joku both have 24. Amari Cooper's been the money guy, though. I mean, not only in terms of pay, but in terms of first downs. He's got twice as many uh, first down receptions as anybody else. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So to me, that is the guy that you got to focus in on. You said it in yesterday's show, and I cannot disagree with you. Uh, Devin Witherspoon right now is playing like he is the best defensive player on the Seahawks roster, bar none. Now, of course, it's only been a handful of games for the rookie, but still, he has been absolutely fantastic. So I'm curious to see who the Seahawks line him up against. If they are going to be moving him around a little bit, if he's going to be playing primarily outside, primarily that nickel spot, because Elijah Moore, to your point, can absolutely fly. He is one of those guys that uh, that can make P.J. Walker, who, as I said before, doesn't have a single touchdown reception so far, yet has two game-winning drives uh, on his resume for the Cleveland Browns. Then who is he going to lean on? And so if it is a player like an Elijah Moore who can break free and, and create the big play, something Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones don't, haven't traditionally done that, Donovan Peoples-Jones being kind of that bigger flanker receiver, 6'3", 220 pounds, uh, you know, their game is more possession style. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm kind of curious to see how Seattle matches up in that regard. I almost wonder if this isn't the game, Corbin, where the Seahawks might be able to get an interception, perhaps get another pick six. And as great as, De- as Des Witherspoon has been, as great as Trey Brown, big play Trey has been, to me, this is a game where it feels like Tariq Woolen needs to kind of or Requel needs to kind of, you know, shake off the dust that has been his season, his second season in the NFL so far. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he winds up getting a, a big interception in this game. Yeah, that's a nice prediction there. He's due. He is way overdue. And there's been a couple times he's been in the right position. So maybe this is a matchup where Cleveland's got two of those bigger bodied receivers that he may match up with a little bit better. So I am curious to see how that plays out. As far as the final matchup to watch when the Seahawks are on defense, we could talk about the running backs. The Cleveland Browns are down to their third or fourth string running back. And they're still going to run the ball because of the offensive line we mentioned earlier. But you threw out the name David Njoku, who I have even more respect for, seeing that he played a day after he suffered major burns on his face. I mean, that had to be incredibly painful, putting a helmet on and playing a football game. But David Njoku is a weapon and a half, super athletic. And you can see from the picture, this guy is jacked. He's one of those rare tight ends that just looks like he was chiseled by the Greek gods. 24 receptions, 216 yards. He has yet to find the end zone, but 
This is going to be an interesting matchup for Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and Julian Love because you've got Njoku, you've got Harrison Bryant, who's another athletic tight end that can do damage as a pass catcher. And as I mentioned on yesterday's show, Cleveland is one of the most 13-heavy personnel teams in the NFL. They play a lot of three tight end looks, and they don't just run out of it. They throw the ball, and they throw the ball in their tight ends. So Seattle's historically had issues with tight ends. This year, they've been a lot better, knock on wood. And a lot of that has to do with the safeties they've got, especially with Jamal Adams coming back. But you have to believe P.J. Walker is going to be trying to get the ball to his tight ends a lot in the quick passing game. He likes to get the ball out fast. So the safeties are going to need to really bring their A games covering these guys. Or Cleveland may be able to get that passing game going a little bit. And then some of those deeper shots might open up because the defense gets sucked in on those tight ends. Yeah, it certainly would be the game plan if I was, uh, you know, working for the Cleveland Browns is I would be looking at the just the sheer talent that the, the Seahawks have at the cornerback spot. The fact that this is a is a road game and uh, the crowd is likely to be pretty jacked with the, uh, the return to the the silver helmets and the, the royal blue jerseys. Um, you know, the crowd's going to be pretty loud. And so get the ball out of P.J. Walker's hands as quickly as possible. Use some play action, some quick dumps over the top to the tight ends, because uh, you know, again, Njoku and Harrison Bryant are are, are good football players. Um, they, they are guys who, uh, is, especially with Njoku, I mean, he can run as well as just bowl people over. To me, Bryant, what makes him special is he is a very sharp route runner. He's got very good quickness, and he just catches everything in his zip code. So it's a spooky tight end combination for the Cleveland Browns because, uh, as we all know, the Seahawks have struggled against tight ends in the past. So to me, this is a match matchup that we could have even made this the number two matchup to watch if not for the fact that uh cleveland at least to this point in the season has very much focused in on their wide receivers in terms of first down kind of things but again i think in terms of the seahawks this might be the matchup the seahawks absolutely have to win otherwise cleveland could come into seattle and be able to sneak out a victory as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rank. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Come up tomorrow. I'll be joining forces with Jeff Lloyd and Locked on Browns. We'll be continuing to dive into this upcoming Week 8 matchup at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.